Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. While the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so prost to you. November 11th. 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. Welcome along to the Penis Project podcast. We have a very special guest in here today by the name of... Perry Payne Pete. Perry Payne Pete. Welcome along. Oh, it's great to be here. Today, we want to have a bit of discussion about why you're called Perry Payne Pete. There's a bit of a saga behind this story, potentially. Perry oh, Payne, Pete. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'll be happy to uh, let you all know about it. Yeah. So first up, Perry Payne, Pete. How about you give us a very brief background story, like so we yep. we don't need to know all the details, but just mm-hmm. like what happened and then how you ended up. Right. Yeah. Uh, firstly, I'm a uh, retired geologist. I'm yes. 72 years old. I live here in Perth with my wife. I've been married for about 47 years. Wow. And I lead a very active life. I've um, worked in many countries around the world, every state in Australia. For the past 30 years, I've been quite active sports-wise. Sounds like it. I was a clean triathlete up until about 18 years ago when uh, my running and swimming gave away to cycling. So it's just cycle now. Um, Up until a while ago, I was riding about 250 to 300 kilometres a week on my bike up until I had a prostatectomy about six months ago. Okay. So you had it in August 2021. That's right, yeah. Uh, after the operation, um, my um, exercise just reduced to daily walks for about two months and then a gradual return to cycling uh, a couple of weeks after that. My other interests include photography, uh, playing my piano <laughs> and wrangling my grandkids. Um, I generally feel fine after the operation, uh, except for a bit of in ongoing incontinence, mm-hmm. uh, which after four months or so may be slowly starting to improve. But the 
main problem that you had is um, you developed pain in your perineum, didn't you? Is that right? Yeah. Or in your pelvic yeah. floor. So yep. that's – and I think you've been seeing Joe about that. Uh, no. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, well, uh, so uh, so I, I just wanted to uh, come along and talk about the peri pain because uh, I understand it's something that doesn't affect everybody, uh, all all of us guys, but certainly had an uh, adverse effect on my recovery. Uh, so uh, it seems to be a problem that not much is known about, if I'm right, uh, and I don't think there seems to be much explanation as to its cause. Uh, so uh, I'm just here to um, uh, just get people's awareness up about it and all. And uh, I'd like to know if there's maybe any possible connection at some stage between my lack of continence and the initial presence of this peri pain. Mm -hmm. Maybe there isn't uh, or there isn't. I understand that 65% of patients are dry after three months of surgery. And I'm definitely in the other 35%. So I just want to get people's awareness um, uh, a raise about this. I just wonder also if there's any research into it at some stage. Yeah, we, so we'll have a bit of a chat about all of that. Yep, okay. So, so that's, the, that's, that's the general gist of it. What, yep. what about the pre-operative preparation for consonants? Did you have any opportunity to do that? Oh, I, uh, I uh, yes, for, well, I remember back now, maybe... Uh, Two months or so, a couple of months before I had the operation, I started my uh, pelvic floor exercises. Um, I think I found I wasn't doing them correctly for a while, but got that straightened out. And that seems to be uh, going fairly well still. I still do them, obviously. Do, so, do you remember if you had any pain or discomfort doing those exercises before the operation? No, no, I can't remember any of that. Uh, being a cycling all that time, I used to get a bit of pain in the perineum from the bike seat I would say uh, and I changed my bike seat at one stage and that seemed to fix things uh, and uh, I often you know, wonder whether there's a connection between uh, people who do cycle a lot and get a bit of pain in the undercarriage with uh, maybe the perineal pain after yeah, prostate surgery. Yeah it is actually a common condition it's known as cyclist syndrome and sometimes it's associated with the little nerve bundle underneath there the pudendal mm -hmm. nerve getting a bit of a compression so mm -hmm. the bike seat's yep. actually a really good thing to modify as you did yep. Yep. what we worry about though is if people do get pain when they start pelvic floor training because naturally some uh, men and women will have something called a tight or hypertonic pelvic floor which means that it's a bit stiff it doesn't really mm -hmm. like to move too freely uh, we don't really want patients to aggressively train their pelvic floor if you're already someone mm -hmm. who has that kind of situation yep. naturally. Mm -hmm. Those sorts of people tend to have like tight hamstrings, tight backs and hips. And then we can pretty much determine preoperatively whether or not right. we're doing too much. Mm -hmm. But you don't think you had any of that discomfort? Not really. Uh, not th This is before, before the op? Before the op? No, I don't think so. There was nothing that really uh, sort of uh, triggered any worries with me. In that so regard. in the information that we had previously, you said that basically the pain started a few days after the catheter came out. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yes, I, that's when I first noticed it. Uh, it was just a couple of days after the catheter came out. Uh, it, it, I thought it may have been, it was always there, but, you know, after the operation, you hear, feel all these weird pains and uh, everywhere downstairs and, I, and maybe just the others 
the other pain drifted away and then it was still there or you were trying sure, to figure it out by the sounds of it but well i sort of first it really just sort of uh, came to my attention a few days after the catheter came out so uh, not sure whether it was really there with all the other little twinges and aches and pains at, at, uh, after the op or not but uh, i sort of first put it down to maybe the presence of having an incontinence pad sitting there pushing on my perineum you know uh but I sort of sort of worked that out that that wasn't the case uh, pretty pretty quickly. And this pain would build up as the day progressed. So when I woke up in the morning, it'd be fine. And as the day went on, it got it got sort of gradually worse. During the day, it it would increase rather dramatically if I was uh, standing around making a sandwich in the shower, stopping to have a chat to somebody or something like that. You know, it, uh, it it built up really fast, just uh, just seemingly while I was standing around. So it was aggravated by being upright. Upright. And then does that mean that it was relieved when you laid down? Sure it was, yes. Um, sitting and lying down always relieved the pain. Mm-hmm. I, uh, if it got too much to bear, then I'd lie down and it would fade away 15, 20 minutes must have been yeah. so hard for someone as active as you to do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was changed, changed my re- regime quite a bit. And uh, it was quite worrying at the time because, you know, uh, uh, when it really hit and was quite painful, I'd sort of, uh, you know, it, uh, it was sort of grinding me down a bit. And it seemed to get worse with time. And I was, but I was also in uh, doing more exercise then after the operation. You know, those few weeks I started, you know, doing my walking and twice a day I'd do a 20-minute walk every day and all that. And uh, and I was getting more active around the house, you know, doing a few more little chores and things, I suppose. So I kept a record of the pain and I used a scale of zero to five um, where, where zero meant I had no pain at all. I felt no, no little pain. And five, I'd scored five if during the day I had to go and lie down. Okay. And uh, so that was the sort of the, the, the limit of it. It reached a peak about four weeks after the operation and then it gradually started to fade away. And then at about nine weeks post-op, it was down to the one or zero level. Perry Payne, Pete, I would love you to describe what that pain felt like when it was like a five. Oh, okay. It was a... It was a, uh, a really localised ache, I suppose. Uh, it sort of originally was the full length of my perineum, right from the, from the, uh, the testicles back to my bum. Yep. And then uh, over time it seemed to uh, decrease in and, and move towards the back or it focused, I suppose, towards the back and a bit on one side of my uh, midline. I could feel it with my finger and it seemed to me in that... Uh, at uh, the muscle, the bulbo cavernosum, is it? <laughs> well <laughs> done. Cavernosum or cavernosum. <laughs> it was there, right there. I could feel it. <clears throat> and um, that was also the spot pretty well where I used to feel some saddle soreness with the cycling. Yeah, okay. you know, yep. some Some time before, you know, a year or so before. So oh, I thought maybe there was a connection. So it was really um, a really bad ache. Uh, localized. Um, um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, that 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 sort of really. Uh, I just couldn't bear it. I had to. 
So no. when you lay down, it took about 15 minutes to yeah. alleviate and then could you get back up on your feet? Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, say 15, 20 minutes on the bed, you know, uh, this is – I lie flat and uh, – Seemed to probably just get all the weight off it or something like that. And, uh, and were you going and talking to your GP or urologist about this pain at that that time? Uh, I think I yes, I would have mentioned it to the uh, urologist the next time I had seen him, which was. Did you get much feedback on that? <coughs> uh, not a lot. I don't think. I don't think anyone seemed to be too worried about it. But I just can't remember the timing. But I think maybe by the time it was peaking and it started to come down a bit by the time I sort of had a serious discussion with the GP. You know, I'd been researching it, looking it up, uh, sort of getting a bit of an understanding of it. And so I'm sort of Were you using any pain relief medications or... The only thing I used was Panadol. Panadol, yep, okay. Yep. So it, I know that it's pretty much gone now. So does what, what made it go? Was it time or did you get some help or, or what do you think alleviated this pain? I think it was just time. Uh, It seemed to just gradually retract and focus and then it seemed to fade away sort of fairly quickly as I remember, um, you know, over a week or two or something like that. So in the event that someone listening has this problem, Jojo, what what could they do about it from your perspective? Well, quite often it's the pelvic floor muscle suddenly having to take on a huge workload once the prostate's been removed. And so it just ends up being fatigued, sometimes gets a bit crampy. Mm-hmm. And what you tend to, to do as a bloke is think, I better fix it. So quite often you'll start doing more and it might be more pelvic floor exercises. But if you've got a tight pelvic floor, then unfortunately that goes a bit haywire and it can really cause that deep cramping sensation. So one of my first things to always do is stop the pelvic floor exercises, usually for about three days. And that often completely reverses the situation mm-hmm. much quicker than the nine weeks it might take for it to adapt. Yep. Second thing is sometimes people need pelvic floor relaxation exercises or what we call reverse Kegel exercises. Mm-hmm. Did you look into any of that? Did that no, come no. across any of your... Although it, you did remind me that uh, at my... Um, uh, I spoke to uh, the physio mm-hmm. and uh, we decided to stop the pelvic floor exercises. That was the first time. We, so I spoke to the physio before the doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so that's a really stopped, good thing yeah, to do. we stopped them. Yeah. So first of all, it's just recognising that in s- some patients their muscle is tight yep. and therefore it's quite a big workload to suddenly be up on the feet with the prostate gone mm-hmm. with the pelvic floor having to work really hard. So automatically in some people, probably 10 to 15% of guys after this operation will experience this um, unexpected pain. Mm-hmm. Another probably major cause of it is the fact that there's just so much bruising and there's a little nerve that runs through there called the pudendal nerve, which can refer pain to all those spots that you talked about, mm-hmm. to the testicles, mm-hmm. to the rectum, to the anus, mm-hmm. down the shaft of the penis. It can cause mm-hmm. pain with um, urination, bowel movements, mm-hmm. um, any sort of sexual activity, even erectile blood flow mm-hmm. if that's starting to kick in. And that's often because of the bruising sustained mm-hmm. at the time of the surgery. Those sorts of patients probably don't even start to improve for about six weeks. So even if they stop the pelvic floor exercises, the pain may not resolve. Mm-hmm. So 
often it's just <coughs> time. I have had a couple of patients that have taken a little bit longer, three or four months to completely ease of that nervy pudendal irritation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a persistent problem, we need to move to different medications. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of medications are something that I've often asked Melissa to help me with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe Melissa can speak yeah. about those. So there's some really good medications that you can use in this instance. There's actually some um, lignocaine patches mm-hmm. that you can get and you can actually cut them to size and put them along the perineum, mm-hmm. which can be really great for some people yep. without having to take a tablet. That's just over the counter, is it? Or is it uh, no, they're a prescription. Okay. Yep. Um, and the other thing that can work really well is like the... Tablets like pregabalins and Lyrica and those kind of pain relieves, they work really well on nerve pain, so mm-hmm. they're good. Um, I think anti-inflammatories can help depending on on what the cause is. So I think it's a really great thing to see a physiotherapist and then the physiotherapist might be able to say something. Like, because I wouldn't be able to do the assessment and mm-hmm. probably most GPs wouldn't either, so it would be great for people to see a mm-hmm. physiotherapist and then the physio like Joe could say to me, I'm, it's nerve pain or mm-hmm. it's muscle pain mm-hmm. and we can use yep. things like... Um, diazepam suppositories if it's yep. muscle spasm. So I think that's a two-step process. I think you really need, a f- in my opinion, I'm not sure what you think, Jojo, but... Oh, I totally uh, agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> you need a um, physiotherapist to do the assessment to mm-hmm. give you some idea about whether or not it's nerve or muscular or yep. a bit of both because then we can um, prescribe according to that because different types of pain need different types of medication. So I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that, you know, it's not – all of these situations are not a one-size-fits-all. You can't just get a pill that's going to fix it and you probably can't just get an exercise that's going to fix it. You probably need a combination. So with anyone who might be listening who doesn't have access to a physiotherapist, when I talk about reverse Kegels or – pelvic floor relaxation, what we're actually doing is a much more gentle pelvic floor exercise, Mm -hmm. more to focus on the let go and the sort of down or relaxation part of it rather than the up or the Mm -hmm. strength part of it. So what I often say is just think of very gently breathing in and out and just without any activation of the pelvic floor, think about letting go of the belly, the buttock and that whole pelvic floor Mm -hmm. perineal area. And then to very gently, maybe even like one third of your normal strength, squeeze that front passage mm-hmm. and just very gently draw the testes up or mm-hmm. nuts to guts, but without any aggressive no, really action. Yep. And to lift and hold that for a short time, maybe three I seconds. Like how normally you're saying nuts to guts really forcefully and now you're saying uh-huh. gently. <laughs> even your voice is gentle. It, it is, isn't it? <laughs> So it's a gentle squeeze, about 30%, one third of your effort, hold one, two, three, and then let go for double that time, mm-hmm. about six seconds. Mm-hmm. And to repeat that only about five times. So if anyone's feeling that cramp and that pain, you can actually reverse the spasm by just doing that. And often you'll feel everything kind of unlock. Now, some patients even experience this, and it's called hesitancy, when they're trying to go the loo and their pelvic floor is in spasm. And we can do the same thing. We can just start mm. gently breathing in and out for a couple of breaths and then squeezing the front passage gently and then letting it go. I was just teaching someone mm-hmm. that today. Did you ever experience pain with getting the bladder going? Do you remember? No. 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 Only thing is maybe when it really emptied, like when it was wanting to empty, you know, uh, on its own and it got empty, I could feel a bit of a bit of a twinge there. You yeah. Know, just saying, oh, I'm now... I'm now empty, you know, and I wouldn't be trying to help it or push it or anything like that. But no, 
Otherwise, the urination side of it is always you know, fairly good. Free-flowing. So when all this was yeah. going on, Pete, <coughs> did you feel as though – were you frustrated? Like were you ever – I'm just imagining that it, when you don't know what is happening and why it's happening, it's not something you're aware of. I imagine you'd – particularly someone who's active and wants to get mm. back on their bike, I imagine it was kind of a bit mentally taxing having well, to deal you know, with I this. Well, I was getting a bit stressed by it. And, uh, you know, I've got a few mates who have uh, been through the same – thing as I have you now um, and cyclists and so on and uh, we all talk, mm. talk a lot more than people used to talk in the old days about other <laughs> And uh, I, um, I, uh, oh yeah, 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 I was going to say it, it's, it set my recovery back I reckon four or six weeks mm. because well, I felt it did because I actually was in, in consultation with my physio. I was uh, ceased or then I reduced the pelvic floor what exercise. You said. Yep. Yeah, you know, I can't remember Softened much it now, but yep. yeah, yeah. But it was all that get back to, you know, uh, only about thirty, forty percent lift mm. if you do, and less less uh, repetitions and so on. And but I was so I uh, I, I reckon I lost. About six weeks of my recovery out of out of this, you know, uh, I was at a point when I was supposed to be about ten weeks into the, the normal program. Yep. I was only still back at about four weeks, mm. and uh, you know, I um, so you know, it, it it sort of set me back. I think whether whether that's what it was or well, something set me back. But, yeah, the problem I was is you can't. A bit stressed by that until I have to. Rethink the whole thing and yeah, you can't start strengthening when it's in pain because it's just overactivating that muscle too much. Even now, now when I uh, hook into the 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 exercises a bit, I sometimes feel a bit of a twinge. So I say, "Oh well, I won't do them three Mm. times today. I'll only do them two or something." (laughs) Any excuse, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, sort of makes sense. It's like any muscle, I suppose, if you. You get sore. Yeah, yeah, just give it yeah, a little bit of a breather. Yeah, yeah. So the main aim really for this is just to tell men out there that may experience this is that it might happen to you but yeah. be assured that there are things we can do to help and also that eventually it went away, didn't it? And yeah. you got back to your normal life because yeah, I think I mean, you'd be feeling quite anxious at the time like, Jesus, right. am I ever yeah. going to get back to normal? Yeah, yeah, you know, this was sort of stopping me from doing things, going out. You know, all that. I was sort of more or less housebound there for a while. You know, and while peri pain's not good, you know, it wasn't for me, and uh, probably mo- most others. I I think you know, the, my story is that it's manageable, and it's you know the pain's manageable. I could lie down and get rid of it. I didn't even really take any panadols um, or anything stronger, and it eventually went away. So I think there's a bit of good news, a bit of silver lining in that in that cloud. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention why the pain goes away when you lie down. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, I'd say it's probably taking gravity off the <laughs> opposing gravity or relieving the gravitational. Yeah, uh, that's a big uh, part of it. Yeah. But the pelvic floor is a muscle of posture. So as soon as mm. you become upright, it kicks into being switched on and working. As soon as you go and lie down, it actually is at complete rest. So the... Mm-hmm. Opportunity for it to loosen or reverse its spasm immediately kicks in as soon as you're off your feet. You'll probably notice continence is also better as soon as you lie down. 
So they really do indicate the work of the pelvic floor when it's either stressed out because it's been working too hard and it fatigues, leading to both pain and mm. potential leaking more often. So earlier on you said you wondered if there's a bit of a crossover between the two. Mm. And in my experience I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. What you really need to do is make sure that the pelvic floor is moving and it's not got that potential pain when you start doing the pelvic floor exercises before it can even start to strengthen. Mm-hmm. And then gradually over time, hopefully your bladder adjusts to being able to hold more volume and then you end up with improved continence control. So how's that been? Because you're quite a few months post-op now. You felt you lost yep. about six weeks. Yep. So you're talking about the incontinence? The so continence y- now, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, look, I'm still battling with that. Um, and I think what you said then makes sense to my – the way I feel about it is that at night, well, I might leak a bit, might leak 50 mils altogether all night. Okay. Uh, from between, between uh, say, 10 o'clock and 6 in the morning or something like that. Then as soon as I get up, uh, you know, it, it, uh, the leaking sort of starts to increase. Now, it's, it's pretty good in the morning. Uh, you know, I could, uh, I probably don't need to, I, I could put a, have a, have a pad on, put it on when I go to bed and it'll probably could stay there till maybe 10 o'clock next morning. Mm. But then... After 10 a.m.? After 10 a.m., then the next change might be 1 o'clock in the afternoon, then it might be 3 o'clock. You know, it, as the day goes on, it gets... Uh, it, the, the leaking gets, gets worse. So how many pads a day do you tend to use on average at the moment? Three. Are they the... Number what's three. Number three. Yeah. Do you do any um, pad weights with your physio? Yeah, do you, yeah, yep. I do all that. Yeah, yeah. Gotta what's, what's the worst it's been? Back some time ago, I think I went through seven one day. Mm. You know, uh, some days I get away with two. Okay. But uh, generally three. So gradually over the time, over the last six months, it's improving. But nowhere near continent because you're still having a little bit of leakage overnight. So I'm still, I'm still leaking. I'm still leaking on the average about 400 a day. a day. Some days I'm down to 200 I, and, and around about the new year I thought, aha, here comes the cure. I'm down to 220 or something like that. Then bang, 600 and 600 and, you know, it. well, it was my wife's birthday. We had a bit of, <laughs> a bit of alcohol. <laughs> a bit of bubbly, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Chris, you know, not, not, yeah, after Christmas. But, you know, I find if I just bust out a little bit, uh, you know, the incontinence can go up. So in March, is that right? When when will you be 12 months post-op? I'm six months, t- six months. tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. You've got another six months before yeah. you need yeah. to consider anything, yeah. anything really radical. So yeah. my experience, if you're experiencing that nerve pain at the very beginning, and it sounds mm. like that was it, because yep. if you'd stopped the pelvic floor exercises, usually within about three days of overtraining yeah. them, that's resolved sounds like the nerve was a little bit more inflamed with you. There is often a correlation with the, you know, sort of um, pudendal neuralgia in terms of the mechanism of continence as well. Now, that's Mm. not a well-established fact Mm. yet, but I've seen it so many times. Mm -hmm. So I would, having a look at your graph that you um, just Mm. showed us, it's a, a trajectory where it's going down 
if you do that whole line, it is gradually progressing. Yeah. So it is really worthwhile just slowly working away at it. If you n- stopped improving anywhere along the line, we tend to go, well, there's just not enough um, sphincter left at the mm. base of the bladder and yep. we may need to look at doing surgery for sure. Yep. But someone like you, I think it's what I call a slow burn to recovery. Yep. Unfortunately, not just that quick component. So no. yeah. um, that's my little bit of advice yep. on, on your particular so story. For the people listening, because you can't see, um, Perry Payne Pete is obviously a scientist through and through and he has a very detailed graph of his leakage that he is showing us. Um, so, yeah, it's good because I think that way you can celebrate small wins because if mm. you were still leaking as much as you are now as you were four months ago, you might feel a bit depressed about it. But when you look at this graph, you know, yep. it, it actually you can see the improvement. It's just so. Yeah. yeah, you can see the trend line, you know, yeah. uh, back after the operation it was, you know, quite high. Mm. Looking like over one Six kilo or so. Yeah, mm. yes. Now it's sort of, uh, it seems to be coming down in steps, although there were times when it, well, there's always over, over a week or two when yeah. it went back up again. Oh, and uh, so I'm generally generally feeling good. So um, just getting back to your point about the, the, um, the, the muscle. So my, my biggest problem is I'm sitting now and mm-hmm. I feel fine. I stand up. You know, so the sitting to standing thing is probably one of my biggest, biggest flaws in the, in the continents. You know, it... Uh, is that sort of gel with what you were saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so mm. the so all of a sudden the pelvic floor decides to um, yeah, if um, tighten up or whatever. And yeah, so I haven't looked after you. You haven't been no. my patient. But no. I, for someone like you, I would be thinking straight away about adding in a penile clamp yep. to try and actually help um, build the bladder volume, get, yep. the, get the pelvic floor actually yep. stretching and strengthening at the same time by mm. adapting to increase volumes. Mm. And then um, that... That helps us usually accelerate your progress more quickly. Has that mm. been looked into for you? Yep, yep, yep. I got a clamp off you actually. You gave me one. <laughs> oh, that's yes. when we had a little secret yeah, chat through the. Sec- yeah. Yes. How have you so been finding that? Good, good. But now I only use it at night uh, after I have a shower and I want to sit and relax and I don't want to, you know, I want to sort of stay dry. So I use it at night for a couple of hours while I'm watching TV till I go to bed. I used to use it while I was cycling, yep. but I don't need it. I don't leak much when I'm cycling anymore. That stopped about the same time. Okay, uh, well, uh, yes. my suggestion would be to now use it when you're up on your feet during your mm-hmm. most active times rather than when yep. you're sitting because you don't tend to leak too much when you no, sit down. No. Um, but we might have another little chat about that. Otherwise, we've got yeah. a podcast all about that that we can yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, listen to. But, yeah, some t- yep. I've just got a patient at the moment that we're working on exactly the same scenario because he's yep. very leaky four or five months post-op and still has pain, although we've settled that within a week or so of mm-hmm. working together. But, um, yeah, it's a, mm. just a different way of helping yep. things progress more quickly yep. and that's what everyone wants. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I think the takeaway messages from today should be that if you get pain in your perineum, don't be horrified. It sounds like there is a lot of different things we can do and you can get help yep. um, and often time is a very good healer. Mm. And... Yeah, that's about it for me. What yep. do you, have you got anything else that you well, wanted to say, Well, I had a couple say, of Pete? little general things I wanted to, uh, I think might be helpful to some of the guys out there sure. listening. Uh, as I said, peri pain is, is, is not real, not really nice, but it, it's uh, manageable and, uh, and uh, for me it went away. The other thing is I say don't waste time from your first PSA uh, test. Uh, it took me five months or so to get from that to the operation. 
you know, I felt that every time I had a, uh, a test, a biopsy, a, a scan, the situation was described as being worse than what it was before. So I felt I only just got mine in time. Um, the other thing uh, is a bit of a bandwagon of mine is take control of your test results. You go and you, you, you get these uh, pathology tests, put your name on the copy list. Mm. If the doctor won't do it for you, put it on yourself. Then you'll get a copy. You'll get it. You can get your copy if you, if you um, insist a bit in 48 hours. You're not sitting around for two weeks then wondering, God, have I got cancer? Is my PSA up? Is it down? I know some guys got quite depressed about this mm -hmm. in, that, in that period. And then when you go to your doctor, you're, you're already armed with your questions. Yep. Good advice. Um, do your own research. I think everyone, there's plenty of stuff you Google can access stuff these days. Yes. <laughs> and don't be coerced into doing something you don't feel like you need to do. Um, you know, there's all sorts of suggestions. If you don't feel happy with something, don't just accept the the, uh, the doctor's word for it. Go and get a second opinion. And, ne and never, and never push through pain. Like pain is there yeah. to alarm and alert us yep. that something's not quite right. Yes. Often it's just yep. stop, take a breath, go yep. and get some advice. Yeah, and I also think if, you know, it's a good point about like us health professionals, we're not always right. And so I think, you know, and maybe this is more prevalent in the older generation, younger people seem to ask more questions, but I think it is okay to ask questions and yeah. it's healthy to say, actually, I'm not sure if that I agree with that and I'd like to get another opinion. Mm. So, and that applies to doctors, surgeons, physios, yep. nurse practitioners, yep. everybody. Like if you feel like you're not being listened to or you'd like another opinion, then I think that's really good advice. Yeah, that's great, yeah. And talk talk about it to other people, you know. Yeah. People say, oh, you talk about it a lot. I said, well, we all talk about it, you know, and uh, it's great because people learn from you and you learn from everyone. I've mm. learned so much from, from some of my uh, compatriots. It's, yeah. it's wonderful, yeah. yeah and listening good. to podcasts like this are just great. Yeah, Excellent. I really enjoy them. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on it. Did you have anything else you wanted to say, Jojo? No, just a huge thank you because this is not a topic that we've actually touched on. We've been talking about pelvic pain um, with a couple of different people on recent podcasts, but we haven't brought it into the situation of prostate cancer surgery. So it's a really important story to share because I do see it. See it. Um, probably about one in ten guys can have a touch of it and some more severely. So great that you've um, shared your story. Been my pleasure. Thanks very much. Gonna tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to thepenisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases, and this helps our podcast to get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Just a mystery to me. Got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man